With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, and we are back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, my name is Presley Meyer, and as has become commonplace lately, I am riding solo like Jason Derulo. Let's get right into this because we have a lot to cover tonight. Louisville Falls, 99-77. to uh, The Cardinals allowed a 17-0 run uh, in the very beginning of the game uh, tonight at Wake Forest. And just like so many times this season, Louisville was just not able to ultimately overcome uh, the obstacles that come with being down 19-2 or 21-4. Like, at some point, Louisville has to look at itself in the mirror and say, what is up with these bad starts and what's up with these bad finishes? Now, tonight, the finish wasn't incredibly bad. I mean, Louisville hit nine of its last 10 field goals, but look, they were down by 30-plus points for a good portion of the second half. And, And... you know, that's, that's a product of the start, though. It really is. Um, Louisville was down by 17, 20-plus points in the first half. Spent the entire time rallying back at the beginning of the second half. They cut the lead to 6. And then the lead the lead ballooned to 32 with 5 minutes left in the game. And what do you think the reason is for that? Well, I'll tell you, it's very simple. Uh, when you spend your entire game trying to fight back, when you spend your, the entire time trying to figure out ways to get back into the game, I mean, look, the the the, the results are, are are inevitable. The proof is in the pudding, and, and tonight uh, Louisville is not able to get it done um, consistently. And, and, and when you're a team that we've seen, this is not a team. This is not a Louisville squad that has the talent level to allow teams to get out to big leads. Uh, let alone a, a team that that is able to come back and, and secure victories in in those instances. I mean, you look at a team, the team down the road. 
Um, they got down by, I believe, 12, 15 points against Arkansas today and, and were ultimately able to fight back and take the lead, and they've done that over and over and over again uh, against a pretty solid, brutal SEC schedule. But why is that? Because they have the talent, because they have the wherewithal, because they have the experience to get that done. This is a Louisville team that wasn't built for office, offensive success, and we'll get in the, into that tonight. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, look, it comes down to the defense. Uh, Louisville's defense was just abysmal tonight. You allow 99 points at Wake Forest. Uh, this team is so, so lost on the perimeter. It doesn't close out on threes. It can't stop the ball. It doesn't move its feet on the perimeter. It gets owned on the defensive glass. Louisville has built its brand over the last four decades over Bet under Bettino, under Crum, and even under Chris Mack. Uh, on defense, this team should be no different and perhaps coach Ross McMaines is an offensive guru but the team that Chris Mack assembled is not conducive of creating any sort of offense I mean you look down this roster Matt Cross he's a role player Noah Loss no Noah Locke is a role player he's not a guy that should be taking 15 shots a night I'm sorry Mason Faulkner role player Jared West role player Sidney Curry is a role player like these are guys who are not going to be the stars on your team and who stirs the drink on this team outside of L. Ellis uh, who played very few minutes tonight who scored three points tonight um, L. Ellis is such a liability on the defense and going back to back to the defensive story I mean against a, a player like Alondez Williams uh, for Wake Forest, who's probably the best player in the ACC, who's probably going to be the ACC player of the year. It, it, it's not worth worth it to play LLS because as much as he could provide on offense, if he goes 13 or if he goes seven for 13, uh, eight for 14 from the field, he, he's going to allow Alondez Williams to distribute and score and, and produce even more points. And so at some point you have to look at, at this roster and say, uh, who's going to bring it on the defensive end? Who's going to be the three and D type of guy? Who's going to be the guy who can provide for us uh, throughout the game? And tonight against a player like Alondez Williams, that's not going to be L. Ellis. Um, and then you look at a player like Sidney Curry. He played one of the better games of the season uh, among any players on this level team down low. But, but at what cost on the defensive end? Um, a, a seal by the big man, a drive by the guard, and or a wing. That's all it took tonight. That's it. Wake's offense was a seal and a drive all night. And if Louisville was able to slide in and stop the ball, that led to a wide-open three-point attempt. And Wake Forest, I mean, they just put on an offensive clinic. I mean, they shot 60% from the field. You have a Louisville team that shot 49% from the field, and, and they were down by 32 with five minutes left. Like, Wake Forest is taking out it's starters and <laughs> and Louisville shooting 50% from the field. Like what do you not see the problem there? Uh, again, to go back to that uh, successful runs from this team, they've started from the defense and that was nowhere to be found tonight. And that's kind of been the, the story the the story right before Chris Mack got fired. And that's been the kind of the story under Mike Piggies as a whole, you have possessions and you have players and you have moments where the defense looks good, where you win 50, 50 balls, where you get good rebounds, where the efforts there, where the intensity is there, where you can see that these players are trying in practice, where you can see that the players are bringing it, where you could see that the hustle is there, but ultimately the defense for 40 minutes and the product as a whole is just not there. We do have to talk about Sidney Curry tonight. Uh, 13 for 18 from the field. He just an absolute menace down low. Wake Forest had zero answer for, answer for him. And and that's what Louisville fans have been clamoring for. Uh, for Sidney and for Rose and for Les Malik. More of the future. Less of the past. More of the guys who've been showing progress. Less of the guys who have been suspended. 
Curry on offense at least showed the full arsenal of what he can be. He was getting down downhill. He was uh, owning the the offensive glass. Um, he was the only guy on, on this entire team um, that was willing to live in a paint, and that's been the story the entire season, and that's been a concern for Louisville. You know, Chris Mack, as much as Ross McBain's has had a hand and influence in this offense, uh, Chris Mack is very much a four-out, one-in type of guy, and Malik Williams is just not that. Um, you know, and, and, and interim head coach Mike Biggie is God love him, talked about it in, you know, two, two posts games ago. He essentially went into depth about what Malik Williams is. And as the starting center on this team, he is not provided, and his game is not conducive for what Louisville needs, especially on the offensive end. But going back to Curry, the next, the next coach who comes in here, I want to see what Curry can do at the four, and I want to see what he can bring on defense at the four as well. He played the four in Juco a lot alongside uh, Shadon Sharp, who's a, a star at Western Kentucky now. It's at least worth mentioning that he was going to be a versatile playmaker, and he has so much untapped potential going into 2022 and 23 and then under the new regime. I feel like this is the guy, if there's a guy you're looking at this team, he has to be a guy who's coming back. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a listener of Middays with Marcus Mabin, and he was on with our man uh, Alan Thomas um, last week. I believe it was last Friday, and, and he kind of let it slip that he has the every intention of returning if the new coaching staff allows him to do so. Uh, this seems like a guy who is absolutely intent on trying to grab that starting spot uh, going into the 2022-23 season. The next thing that you got to get into Additionally, is, is is just how great Steve Forbes is. I mean, there's a reason why he's probably going to be the ACC Coach of the Year. There's a reason why many, including myself, say that you have to give Forbes a look if you're the Louisville, the Louisville kind of so coaching, uh, the, the the coaching firm that that's essentially trying to help Louisville find this head coach. Uh, he's a Bruce Pearl protege. Uh, he was a success story at Tennessee State. He took his he took that this Wake Forest team from. Uh, Basically, in less than one season, he took them from the worst team in the ACC, from a bottom dweller, to one of the best four teams in the league. And look, I know that the league is down, uh, but that that essentially does not matter. He took a team that was just dead in the water to a team that's going to win probably 13 or 14 games in conference this year. Think about that. That's impressive. Um, And he... He had the added momentum tonight as well. Of He took that L up in Louisville, um, and I think he was out for revenge. That was one of the better games that Louisville's played all season. I think that was definitely the best game that Louisville has played uh, and the best finish that Louisville has had uh, under Chris Mack. Um, and what, what I mean by that is this season under Chris Mack, uh, outside of, of the Mike Piggy's coach games, that was kind of the most complete game that Louisville had played, and despite Alondez Williams going off, um, Louisville was ultimately able to secure a victory there, and that was huge. Um, so he had that added momentum, and, and he had something to prove tonight. I, I, I would be willing to bet my mortgage that he's heard from this Louisville coaching firm, right? Like, he's a guy that his name is out there, and he kept the starters in up 30 uh, tonight until around the under-four timeout. He wanted this win. He wanted to win it going away, and when Louisville got within six, he wanted to push that sucker open, and he sure did. Uh, nobody expected this from Mike Forrest. Nobody expected this from Steve Forbes, and yet here they are 
they were a dumpster fire when he arrived. I mean, they were absolute crap. They were absolutely, they would have finished in the bottom half of, of, of a lot of lesser conferences. They just straight up sucked. And he's completely changed that. He's completely turned that around. Before we get too, too into the weeds here about this game, because we could go on and on all day about the intricacies of the game and, and what led to that ultimate uh, wake blowout victory uh, but let's get into Nick's kind of favorite portion of the show who got those minutes uh, tonight the starters did not and they they only scored three points in the first half which is a uh, a little concerning um Louisville finished Louisville finished with 59 points off the bench 59 of their 77 points came from the bench only three of those points obviously came in the first half but you look at who got those minutes tonight LL is 12 minutes tonight over three from the field, only scored from the free throw line tonight. Malik Williams, three minutes. I mean, when he was in as a starter, it was just, it was ugly. It was just everything that Louisville fans are afraid that it's going to be. It was, it was just bad. Uh, Jared West, 22 minutes tonight and minus 30. Minus 30. Dre Davis, 17 minutes. Jalen Withers rounding it out with six minutes tonight. So you have Malik Williams and Jalen Withers, your two typical bigs, your two guys that play typically more than 20 minutes a game with three and six. Uh, Noah Locke coming in. You know, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not a big fan of Noah Locke uh, logging the most minutes on the team. But here we are once again, 30 minutes tonight. And I'm not I'm not sure what it is about Noah Locke where he's just got the coaching staff to where, like, he doesn't provide anything defensively that's super impressive. Like, he has size to match up with guys, but he doesn't bring it as far as on, on the defensive end what what you would think that he would, if that makes sense. Like, he's, he doesn't have quick feet on defense. He's not long. He's not, he's not stopping the ball. He's not a ball stopper by any means. I just don't. I don't understand why he plays the most minutes. I don't understand why you look at this roster and you say, Noah Locke, that's the guy. That's the guy that's going to get these minutes for the cards. He did finish with 14 points, and once again, uh, he was 4-4-6 from two-point range. So, I mean, it's proving that he has that mid-range game, similar to Samuel Williamson. Um, But does it warrant 30 minutes? I don't really know. He's supposed to be that dead-eye three-point shooter, two-for-six tonight. If there is a guy that I want taking a bunch of threes, it's probably Noah Locke. Uh, Matt Cross obviously been in a slump, and we'll get to Matt Cross. 20 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, 0 points. Oof. Roosevelt Wheeler, 9 minutes tonight. Uh, we talked about Malik Williams essentially didn't get any minutes tonight. Uh, Roosevelt Wheeler kind of filled in whenever Sidney Curry was out of the game. Uh, Samuel Williamson, 22 minutes tonight, 3 for 4 from the field, 7 points, 5 rebounds. Again, outside of Sidney Curry, was the second leading rebounder. He he brings so much to the table. And look, people are talking about who's going to be back, who's not. I, I I sure hope that Samuel Williamson is back next year. And I hope that, like any other player, I hope that Louisville can kind of play to his strengths next season. Uh, Mason Faulkner was kind of the go-to point guard, especially at the end of the first half, start of the second half. 21 minutes tonight, 2 for 4 from the field, uh, 3 assists. Overall, not a terrible game for Mason Wagner. Uh, J.J. Trainer only played four minutes, was not very productive when he was in, to be quite honest with you. He, he, here's the one that I tweeted out tonight. Two minutes from Sam Bearden, two minutes. He had three points. Uh, he scored as many points as LLS. He scored uh, more points than Malik Williams and Jalen Withers combined. 
I mean, look, that kind of tells the whole story right there, doesn't it? Uh, Sidney Curry, obviously the player of the game tonight, 28 points, 28 in 28 minutes, uh, seven rebounds, dished out an assist. Lavoie had six assists tonight. Again, this, the, the second game in a row. Uh, I take that back, actually, uh, because you had you had a, 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 a Mason Faulkner with three assists. So I take that back. But kind of the second game in a row where Louisville had a lot of field goals without a lot of assists. Six six assists on 31 made field goals. Uh, six assists on 61 shot attempts. Not the best. Not great, Bob. But essentially, that's who got these minutes tonight uh, to kind of wrap up tonight's game. Uh, look, ultimately, Wake Forest, like many teams on the schedule, simply looked like just the better team, the more athletic team, the more experienced team, the more confident team. If you're a Louisville fan, that's that's a concern. But ultimately, it, it's going to be up to the next coaching staff. It's going to be up to the next regime to kind of instill that confidence. I think there's a lot of players and a lot of uh, components and pieces on this team and on the staff and in this program that, that are not going to allow mediocrity, that are not going to allow this sort of performances uh, to, to, to continue. But I, I think the main story off the court uh, in the last few days, at least the last time that since we have spoke, uh, my, my fair audience, is, has been Scott Drew. And, and, and the reason that Scott Drew has come up is because, you know, your boy was listening to the radio uh, this week. And, and, and I'm an avid listener. You know, I listen to, you know, I know that, that Steve Rummage and I will get into it and Marcus Maven and, 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 and whoever else wants to kind of impose their opinion on, on us and, and make their opinion feel like it's it's an absolute rather than exactly what it is, just just their thoughts that they're projecting out to the world. Um, I think that over the course of this, the losing and just everything that's come with that, a lot of this Louisville fan base has become very sensitive, has become very soft, has been very just clinging to their opinions and has become less about the community and the great things that we can bring as a community to this program and more about just opinions and, and, and thoughts that are not necessarily concise um, or productive. And, and, and ultimately, the reason that I say that, you know, I have no, I harbor no ill will or no hatred towards anybody. And, you know, if, if you want to block us, our, our account or me personally on Twitter or Facebook or where, wherever it is, and b- because my opinion differs that to yours, I think that that just kind of plays into my hands more than anything. I'm willing to give my opinion, as many are. But I'm here to respect your opinion. You know, as, as Scott Davenport says every Monday night, I don't have to agree with your opinion, but I will respect it. And I'll respect your opinion. But I'm also going to give mine as well. Because mine is based on on the intuition that I've developed based on three decades of watching this program uh, more than almost anything else that I watch in my life. That intuition rarely fails me. That intuition is a guiding compass for me as a Louisville basketball fan, as, as many of you have in, as a Louisville basketball fan. We can disagree, but we can do so, do so in a healthy way. And there are no absolutes, especially when it comes to this Louisville basketball season. And the big story in this kind of the end of this week was uh, Bob Valvano, again, who, of course, you probably know is, is the play-by-play guy, or not the play-by-play guy, excuse me, the color guy um, for Louisville 
Louisville Radio on WHAS and 790. Does a great job. He has a lot of his kind of Volvano-isms that he gets into, uh, not only on the play-by-play, but on ESPN and on, on his radio show every day from noon to 3. And uh, I'm, I'm a consistent listener when, when I can. Uh, you know, many of us, you know, have uh, jobs that kind of prevent us from listening to, to the full show. But, you know, I was listening in this week and, and, and Bob Valvano said, you know, I have been out on the road. I've been to Baylor. I've been to some of these other programs. And listen, I've talked to people who are in the know. I've talked to people who have these coaches ears. And, and here's what I think. And so I'll give you some of the quotes from, from Bob Avano, but essentially here's, here's the main thing that a lot of people have been talking about that we posted on our site this week. And he said, the people that I've talked to that seem to think maybe Louisville can get some traction with would surprise you, I think. I have a mutual friend who told me that he thinks if you talked, Scott Drew would listen. And I think that would be a grand slam. He's a defending national championship coach. He's got Midwestern roots. And he goes on and on to kind of explain why he thinks that Scott Drew would be the best hire. But then again, after that, he says, I think that he would listen among coaches outside of Kenny Payne, who he feels would listen that he's heard of. He says that Scott Drew, Mike Boynton, and Mike Bray uh, from Notre Dame and Oklahoma State would be willing to listen as well. I've heard a lot of varied opinions from Scott Drew. I think most of them have been positive, but again, many who are kind of on the pain train and who are unwilling to kind of give anybody else any sort of thought um, and, until they hear otherwise, and then all of a sudden they'll jump on that bandwagon, right? Because that's how it works. Um, I'm kind of looking at things from from an open perspective. Like, I understand that Kenny Payne is the leader for this this position, but I also understand that there's a lot of intricacies. There's lots of in, ins and outs. So, you know, when you take a job as a college basketball coach, as a college football coach, as anything else, a lot of it's about fit. I know that Kenny Payne was a coach here, and I know that he has a lot of people in his corner, but a lot of it's going to be about sitting down with the Louisville administration, about uh, seeing what that looks like. You know, I mean, how many of you out there have thought that you had a great opportunity for a job, potentially a raise, something like that, and then you sat down with, with the, the boss or the director or whoever you'd be answering to every day, and you realize, look, this may not be what I thought it was going to be. Because, look, personally, I've had that quite a bit in my life. I thought that the job sounded great. thought it was a great opportunity. Sat down with whoever I'd be answering to daily. And I thought, you know, it's not a great fit. And, and, and I've had bosses like this before that said, look, sat down with me. If, if I couldn't go out after work and have a beer with you, I, I don't know why I would want to hire you. Because in this role, you know, we're going to have to be able to interact. We're going to have to be able to speak with each other in, in the way that people are supposed to talk to each other. And there are a lot of people who don't do that. And that is a part of the rule, not the exception to the rule uh, with Louisville basketball or any basketball coaching job. And so while Kitty Payne is probably the leader, that doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily take this job. And the, the last coach that we thought was supposed to be the home run hire was obviously a huge flop in Chris Mack. And yes, we can get into why that was. And there were a lot of issues and there were a lot of ins and outs. But ultimately, what it came down to was Chris Mack was the ideal hire, but he was not a good fit. He ultimately couldn't take the heat. And that's fine. That is totally fine. I harbor no ill will towards Chris Mack or anybody that he hired, anybody surrounding the program. 
it's just time to move on and it's time to truly consider all of the options that we have and look bob valvano didn't say oh scott drew is you know he's the leader he's a leading candidate he's you know he said and you know we reported that bob valvano said that he has heard from people in the know that if you talk scott drew would be willing to hear you out and I think that's a lot bigger than what I had indicated when we went over the whatever it was, 35, 40 coaches that uh, could potentially be getting a look from Louisville during this kind of coaching search. So let's pretend we didn't have that conversation. Let's pretend that Scott Drew is in, in the kind of he's 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 willing to hear Louisville out. Let's pretend that uh, Scott Drew makes three point three million dollars a year. As far as I could see, I couldn't find what his buyout was, but I'd imagine it's it's decent at least. But the one stat that Valvana brought up that I thought was interesting, he said that Baylor had played, it's now 2,198 games in Baylor history, or 2,197 games in Baylor history before they, before Scott Drew arrived. They were ranked in two of the 2,197 games. That is, <laughs> that's a lot of games and a lot of not being ranked. And now, since Scott Drew has arrived in the 588 games in his career at Baylor, they've been ranked 306 of those games. That's 52%, folks. And that's not 52% at Kansas. That's not 52% at North Carolina or Louisville or Kentucky. It's 52% at Baylor. That's 52% of the games that he's coached at Baylor in totality, that includes the rack that he took over. 52% of those games, they've been considered a top 25 team by experts, by people in the know. More than half the games that he's been there. And let's get into why that's important. Baylor had four NCAA tournament appearances before Scott Drew's arrival. They had a couple in the 50s. They had one in 1988. And they didn't have any until Scott Drew got there. Again, Baylor has been ranked in 306 of his 588 games as of tonight when they play Kansas. 52%. Baylor Baylor had seven scholarship players in his first two years. If you're interested, you should look up why that is. In 2003, there was one Baylor player who was involved in some shady stuff, and another Baylor player shot and killed him. When there's an investigation into the program, they found a lot of violations, a lot of stuff that was unsavory. And so, in addition to banning Baylor from the postseason, they had a non-conference ban in their third season. So not only did they, they only had seven scholarship players for a team that nobody wanted to play for, who has been a bottom dweller in the Big 12 since before time, they were only allowed to play a conference schedule in his third season. And they were on probation until he was until the 2006 season. So really, the first four seasons under Scott Drew were just him just trying to salvage and just return the program to, not even return the program, get the program to anything prominent. If you take away the first four seasons of that rebuild, which was just hanging on for dear life, completely establishing the brand of the program, Drew's teams have been ranked in 306 of 484 games. That's 63% of the games since 2006 they've been ranked. Additionally, 
they have just been absolutely on a tear lately. And those who poo-pooed the idea of Scott Drew, Scott Drew is Baylor, okay? Let's not forget that. Just like Coach K is Duke, Scott Drew is Baylor. He's the best thing to ever happen to that program and one of the best things to happen to the Big 12 in the last 20 years. He's finally made somebody besides Kansas consistently relevant. You've had Texas. You've had Texas Tech. You've had Oklahoma State. You've had Oklahoma. Decent on and off. But Baylor has been a consistently great program for over a decade now. And those who question if Scott Drew would be interested, I'll just say this. Last year, the Kansas City Star ranked Baylor's arena and its facilities the second worst in the Big 12. That's after 20 years under Scott Drew and all this success, right? Drew is the only reason Baylor is building a brand new state-of-the-art facility that's coming out. And all these Baylor fans that want to come at me and the, the State of Louisville account and everybody involved with it. They want to mention, oh, well, Baylor's getting a new arena. You know, this is, you know, this is his baby. This is, you know, he would never leave here. This year, Jeff Goodman with Stadium, he ranked Baylor as the second worst coaching job in the Big 12. Even after Baylor has done all of this and more in the last decade. Meanwhile, Louisville's a top 10, maybe a top 5 job in the country. Why wouldn't Scott Drew want to come here? Why would he, why would he not want to know that he's made it? Why wouldn't he want to be able to say, I turned the worst program in Power 5 college basketball into a national champion? You don't think I can't turn a program with some of the best resources in the sport into a winner again? Watch me. Why wouldn't Scott Drew say that? Why wouldn't he be willing to listen? People who say that he wouldn't are just absolutely have their head in the sand. And people who say that Louisville couldn't land him, look at the track record. Baylor was nothing before he got there, and they'd be nothing without him. This is the opportunity for him to say, I've done what I can with this Baylor program. Let me finish off my career at a place where college basketball is the mecca where I have an NBA-type market, where I have NBA-type TV contracts, where I have the ear of the city and the program, where I could be a part of one of the blue bloods of college basketball. Why wouldn't Scott Drew do that? Answer me that. And why wouldn't Louisville want to answer the phone? Why wouldn't Louisville take Scott Drew over Kenny Payne? And people want to talk about, you know, well, he wasn't successful in his first Six years with the program. Well, no shit. Nobody was successful with the program for 100 years. Of course he wasn't successful. One of the players, before he got there, killed another player. Are you kidding me? You think that he thinks that this Louisville job is like some big undertaking? No, he's probably looking at this Louisville job and saying, okay, they have the best arena in the country. They have an arena that's better than more than half of the NBA teams. They have a TV market that is the best in the country and has been for the last 20 years. They have the best facilities in the country. They're building the best dorm to go with the best facilities in the country. They have a rabid fan base that just cannot wait to return to prominence. They're in what is traditionally the best college basketball conference in the country. Why wouldn't Scott Drew say yes? And why wouldn't Louisville be interested? When I was looking into this college coaching search, when I was looking at all of the the names that could fill this list, I marked Scott Drew as one of the untouchables. I marked him as probably one of the better hires that you can make, considering his age, considering everything that he's accomplished in his career. I marked him as that, but 
listen, when Bob Valvano, when a guy who is at every Louisville game, who has been connected, who his his brother and his family are one of the more connected families in college basketball, when he says that he believes that Scott Drew is willing to listen, I believe that. And other reports and rumors that were out there were just people's thoughts. Nobody had ever gotten thought Scott Drew's thoughts. And it is striking to me that nothing has come out, you know, nothing is leaked, nothing like that. It's just people that are in the know are saying, look, if Louisville is willing to talk, he's going to listen. And I think that Louisville is going to be able, if Louisville went to some of its more traditional boosters, I think that it'd be willing to raise the money and, and be able to fund a coach like Scott Drew to come here and be one of the highest paid coaches in college basketball. I absolutely believe that. And absolutely believe that they would include some kind of clause that if Louisville has a postseason ban or anything like that, they would include everything that, that comes along with that. I have said from the very beginning that I think that Scott Drew would be the home run hire. Kenny Payne is not a home run hire. Kenny Payne is the safest hire. Kenny Payne is the is hiring to appease both kind of, you know, he's a good segue between the Crom and Bettino tenures. He is kind of a little bit of patchwork between the two eras. And I think that's appealing. And I think that absolutely, you know, I went in on stateofvillable.com. I went into great detail about why I think that Kenny Payne could be a great success at Louisville. But if you have Scott Drew's ear and you think that he could be the coach of the future, that is absolutely a guy that you throw the checkbook at. And that's absolutely the guy that you, you know, if Scott Hurd want, or excuse me, if Josh Hurd wants to be the full-time athletic director with this program, this is a guy that you bring in, you get the donors to buy in, and you throw the checkbook at him, and you say, look, you were the leader of this program for the next 10, 20, 25 years. Let's turn this baby around. Let's create a success story in the next 20 years, in the next two decades for Louisville basketball. And I absolutely, 100% think that Scott Drew thinks that everything that is involved with Louisville basketball is a, is a joke and a half. We're talking about freaking fourth-rate strippers and dorms. We're talking about silly second-class violations, stuff that's still legal. We're not talking about players killing each other. We're not talking about all of the, the scandals that went on at Baylor during that time and all the scalers, the scandals that have gone on in ba- at Baylor with other programs and the time since then. Scott Drew's seen it all. This is nothing for him. And this could absolutely be a place that's receptive to him and to what he could bring to this program. I'm absolutely not hating on Kenny Payne or anybody else that's involved in this, but look, this is a guy that you look at because of his age and because what if he has brought to the Baylor program This is absolutely a guy that you look at and say he is the number one candidate, at least in my mind. Again, Louisville falls 99-77 tonight. They've lost nine out of their last ten games. They've won, what, two games in the last month, four games in the year 2022 of our Lord. We have two games left this season, Virginia Tech and Virginia. I'd like to see Louisville continue its, I believe, 17-game winning streak against Virginia Tech this week. I believe it's a 9 p.m. game, which is going to be a tough one to get up for. 
Virginia Tech, again, probably squarely in the tournament, but still a team that wants to send a message and and finally uh, be squarely in the tournament and kind of be put some people on, on upset alert because I absolutely think this is a team that could be in a 7-10 or 8-9 game and make it to the Sweet 16. Absolutely believe that for, from this Virginia Tech team. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to seeing in this battle with Louisville this coming week. UofL has two more chances in the regular season, and I would like to see them win one of these final games. Truly, you want to see a decent performance against Virginia Tech, and for other reasons, to be quite honest with you. Louisville has uh, one of its best groups of visitors ever coming into the KFC Yum Center next Saturday. I would really like to see some people show up for senior day. I'd really like to see a decent environment. That's probably not going to be feasible if Louisville goes in and loses by 20 at Virginia Tech this week. Ultimately, the cards fall by 22. They were down by uh, as many as 32 tonight. Uh, Not the best performance of the season. Interested to see what the quotes from the coaching staff look like after this game. But we could be three games away from the end of the season. And if you are one of these believers that thinks that Kenny Payne is the guy who's next in line, we could be as little as two weeks away from Kenny Payne being named the next coach at the University of Louisville. Changes on the horizon. It's coming soon. We are kind of wading through this mud and muck and everything that comes with this just awful season, and we're just trying to ride it out as best as we can, staying positive, staying, I mean, true L1C4 Louisville fans till we die (laughs) through this. Until next time, hopefully we have Nick Connor back in the fold. Hopefully we'll be coming off of a little bit better, closer game than we had tonight. Until next time, starting 502 Podcast. Go Cards.